Turtle, how are we doing today? Matt, doing pretty decent. I can't complain. Yeah, just pretty decent though. Yeah, just trying to figure this whole this whole sound sound uh, situation out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Next next episode. Next episode, we should be fully set up with some uh, great new audio equipment. Just some technical difficulties today, huh, Turtle, on the setup? <clears throat> yes, sir. We'll get it. We will. Uh, actually, as we talk about the week ahead, I mean, it's it's going to be a pretty, pretty good week for the Dynasty Drama brand in the week ahead. Wouldn't you say so? Yeah, I'm excited for our website launch. Very, very excited. You've been absolutely destroying it. Yeah, so we've been we've been uh, saying it here, you know, from time to time on the uh, on the pod with what's coming, and we're just throwing it out there into the the universe to hold ourselves accountable. By this time next week, Turtle, we the website will be live. Live, baby. We we're gonna roll up our sleeves and we're gonna finish the last pieces. Live. That's all I can say. I'm excited for it. It's gonna be all great right. to be able to blast that out. Live, live, live. So some some cool new stuff. We're going to have a, a consulting corner. We're going to have a contributors uh, lounge, essentially, where, where folks um, outside of me and Turtle writing up research articles, stuff like that, that we'll post there. Um, the shop will, you know, it will come soon. It will come a bit later down the road. Uh, the big thing that we're working on, though, is, is our tiering system, and it's going to be very different than what else is out there in the the fantasy realm. We're, we're basically going to try to come up with the value of each player and make that value very um, almost like a unit of measure. So it's easily distinguishable. Uh, I want this player. I need X amount of uh, dollars essentially to, to get that person. Right. And we're just going to talk about it in terms of, of draft capital that would be needed in order to acquire certain players, but it should give you a better idea of the worth of players, the value of players, and you can go about your league trading more effectively. And, and honestly, you know, um, depends on how you want to take the approach. You can take what we determine the value is, apply it to how your league values a certain position. You could take the value, know that that's how the true value is, and then layer on top of that, you know, maybe you want to get a little bit of a discount, so you lowball to start, but you know where you might need to to get to. So, turtle, we got to roll up our sleeves and do that. That's going to be uh, a bit of a grind, but throwing it out into the universe this time next week, we're going to be live with that, are we not? Yeah, we are. We are going to be, and it's good because we really have been grinding, and and we're already starting to see um, some good progress with it on socials, on the website development. And, you know, it's uh, it's really fun because we actually enjoy this and we just want to, you know, use this as our passion project and see where it can go. All right. So on the docket today, we're going to go stock up, stock down. This is the, our post-draft risers and fallers. Um, you know, the draft took place, free agency has taken place, the big, you know, um, UDFA signings have taken place there's some more dominoes to fall you know where is mayfield and will fuller and stuff and get players in that you're gonna go however you know um for the most part we know what these teams will look like at least mostly on paper 85 to 90 percent of it 
Turtle and I want to talk you through division by division over the next few weeks, whose stock is up and whose stock is down at a team-by-team, division-by-division basis, and, and go a little bit into detail on those players. Um, Turtle, as you talk about a player, I think we should caveat it as well by by classifying as the stock up or stock down from a, a dynasty standpoint or from a redraft standpoint. Obviously, um you know, dynasty may be what, what most people are concerned about, but there could be a player out there who is a little bit older and has a good situation and their stock is up, you know, if you're a contender this year in dynasty, which is essentially the equivalent of, of treating the season like a, a redraft league. You might be going all in regardless of I don't care about age, I'm selling out draft capital. Some, some of these players might be a little bit older. They don't all have to be young to have stock up in dynasty. No, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. And then, Turtle, you're being you're being a little um, few and far between on the words. I think you know you're saving the the golden pipes because there's going to be a debut of a new segment at the end of the episode. A uh, little <laughs> little meat meatloaf said it best, right? Two out of three ain't bad. So we're gonna get a nice little turtle solo intro. I'll, I'll be helping him maybe on uh, on the background. Um, but then we're going to get into a new segment. It's it's the Dynasty Drama version of Keep Trade Cut. However, we're going to put a little twist on it, call it two out of three ain't bad, and we'll tell you more about that when we get to the segment. So, stock up, stock down, who's getting rich, and uh, who's filing bankruptcy? We got, we got a few players here. Um, four each in the stock up, four each in the stock down. That's one per team. Uh, in, in the AFC East, we're covering the Bills, the Jets, the Patriots, and the Dolphins. And if there's a couple extras that we want to cover, we'll throw those in there as well. But at least one each per team. So, Turtle, where do you want to start? You know where I want to start? I want to start with a New York team. I want to start with a guy named Zach Wilson. Okay. And you know what? I really think that this man's stock is up. Right All right. Now. So, stock up. New York Jets, Zach Wilson. Tell, tell us why his stock's up. You know why? It's because the Jets just gave this man all of the tools to succeed. We're going to be calling him Brigham Young himself, a.k.a. Zach Wilson. Um, mm. Honestly, the, the Jets' offseason moves have been nothing short of miraculous. Um, they bolstered the offensive line. They drafted two of the best skill position players in the 2022 draft in Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. And then they added two very solid tight ends in free agency, which was with uh, Conklin and CJ Uzama. Um, I think that he is very set up for success within that division for the next few years. And I think it's his job to uh, really just show what he can do as being the second overall pick in the uh, 2021 NFL draft. Turtle, what do you think about him behind the O-line. Do you think the O-line is the weakness now? You're talking the skill position players are off the charts, I agree. Um, if there's if there's one thing that's bothering you, is it the, the O-line, or you think he's he's mobile enough that he can he can deal with it? Well, I mean, it is the Jets. So I think they, they, they made a couple of good moves for some offensive linemen, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah, so, they're I running mean, out left, left to right. It looks like they're going to be running out George Fant, Lakin Tomlinson, Connor McGovern. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker and Makai Becton. I mean, it's not I mean, the greatest. There's some good names line. there. Some yeah. good names, though. 
draft capitals there. Uh, not all of them have really kind of popped, but yeah, I mean, I, I honestly think this probably is the best Jets team um, within the past decade. They have all of the uh, skill position players to get it done. They've always had a decent defense. Um, and you know what? I, I don't think that their division is wide open, but I do think that the Jets can 100% come in third place in that division this year, which is a which is a big step in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, a lot of things are going to have to go right, but but you're right. They the guy's got weapons. He's he's one of the QBs who they're they're saying we spent a lot on him in terms of draft capital. We need to give him a fair shake. We need to give the guy weapons. Um, it's only year two. So, it's year two. He finished as QB thirty last year with missing four games. So you know what the the only thing that he can do is go up from here. He's not going to be the worst quarterback in the NFL by any means. I mean, if he pushes into mid QB two territory, uh, that'll be a big jump if you're going from thirty into the the sixteen to eighteen range. So we'll see yeah. what happens. Um, all right, I'll stick with the Jets. Stock up. I think it's Brees Hall. Um, I know it's like what you're saying, how can this guy's stock go up? He hasn't played an NFL down. He was already, you know, fairly well thought of. He's going, he was the one-on-one prior to the draft. He's the one-on-one after, you know, I, from what I'm reading and hearing, a lot of people really didn't like the landing spot for him. I think the destination was probably as good as, as could be for the 2022 landscape. There's not a lot of backfields with clear, wide open opportunities. Um, I'd, I'd rather he go to a team like the Jets than uh, the Houston Texans. I think the Jets, like you said, at the at the quarterback position, the wide receiver position, they're, they're surrounding it for success. And, and I'd rather be on a team that's going to be on the field more. Now, the, the main knock against Brees is, you know, how can a stock be up? Michael Carter's there. Oh, I don't want to, you know have a guy who's going to be off the field for third downs. I think when you look when you look at things realistically, we've been spoiled the past few years in terms of first round rookies really going off and that's like the Najee Harris's and the Jamar Chases of the world, you know. The past few years have been really really good for the rookie positions. Mm-hmm. Now I think we're going to have a more traditional approach. Like if we think back to how Jonathan Taylor's rookie season went, it was he was kind of splitting the load. Um, an injury happened to Marlon Mack, and then he still didn't really get the load until later in the season where he was the guy. When you look at um, the Jets' schedule on over the next um, – or over the, over the first few weeks of the season, rather, their first nine weeks before their bye week in week 10 is Baltimore, Cleveland. We'll have to see what happens with Cleveland with Watson. Cincinnati, Pitt, Miami, Green Bay, Denver, New England, and Buffalo. I mean, there's a real chance those first nine weeks, they're a 1-8 or a 2-7 team. Season's already over, right? Despite... Statistically, we're talking fantasy. Zach Wilson may be taking the steps statistically in the right direction. But these are good teams. These are teams that are likely going to beat the Jets. The Bills, likely. New England, call it a toss-up. Denver with Russell Wilson, likely. Green Bay, we'll have to see how the wide receiver core plays out. But I, you know, put your trust in Rodgers. Miami at home. Um, Cincinnati, Super Bowl. I mean... There's there's maybe two or three games where you could debate that the Jets are gonna are gonna win. 
I think what happens is they're one and eight, two and seven going into the bye, and then you have that cutover for Brees Hall, where the reins are handed to him, and he's and, and Michael Carter is mothballed, and it's a very Jonathan Taylor type handoff where. Um, let's see what we got in this high round, second round pick. Yeah, I think you said that quite well. And like that, that's that's the thing with with a guy like Brees Hall. You got to kind of tame expectations, like especially since we've been so spoiled the past few years with these elite prospects coming out and and instantly producing. For me, like having Brees on my roster, like I will be happy with him as a mid range to high, like the high RB two. I don't think I can expect him to be a RB1 coming right out of the gate. But you know what? Once once he does get unleashed fully, that's when he'll have that Jonathan Taylor type um, you know, mark on the uh on the games. He'll start yeah. dominating. So So when I talk stock up, I know I just took away 9 weeks of the season and then 10 week bye, but to me, I think he has a good enough load to be respectable. And then when you come out of the bye weeks 11, 12, 13, 14, where you're trying to make the fantasy playoffs, he's going to be fully in charge of that backfield. And he's going to be on a nice little tear heading into the fantasy playoffs. At least that's how when you layer in, okay, how'd the draft go? How'd free agency go? Now we're layering on top. How, how do these schedules look for the teams? That, that to me reads like a very easy script of, let him share, let him get his feet wet. Okay, out of the bye week, he's ready. And it's not an early bye. It's not one of those weird week four buys or, or five, six. Like this is this is one that just seems to like read the tea leaves very easily. Yeah. Let's let's stick with the Jets. Um, who's your stock down guy? Hmm. For the Jets, it's I mean, it's the guy that's gonna be playing uh second fiddle to uh Brees Hall, and that's gonna be Michael Carter. I don't think okay. too much needs to be said about that either. Um I think that he'll still get some uh, receptions, but I do not think that he's going to be the type of guy that's going to be running through the tackles with Brees there. All right, so you're a Brees Hall owner. You think Michael Carter – I mean, if you believe in what I just said, that you know Michael Carter may hold value then for weeks one through nine. Um, What's your your advice to the Michael Carter owners? Is it like – ride him out and then sell high to maybe the Brees Hall owner or someone else if they'll buy, you know, in their respective leagues, if he actually gets, you know, a decent fair share of work because there's going to be this end of season timing where the keys are going to be handed over to Brees or are you just not, you don't want people to buy Michael Carter anywhere? No, it's not that I don't want people to buy Michael Carter. Like, for example, in, in our league, like I said, I have Brees. The guy who has Michael Carter in our league, you know, he wants a pretty hefty lump sum for me to acquire him. And it's just something that, like, I, I typically do like to roster handcuffs because I think it's just a smart insurance policy. But in this case, I just don't see Michael Carter being – um an asset to my team because I'll be losing out on a different um, skill position. So like I would have to either give up one of my good wide receivers or one of my lower tier running backs. And I'm just not willing to do it right now. And I know that eventually that might come and bite me in in the butt in the butt. Um, But as of right now, I just don't really want to go out and acquire him unless I could really heavily underpay for him. Yeah. Yeah, and, and quite frankly, is he really the? If you're talking handcuffs, is he is he the cuff, or is he just this independent 
guy, you know, like James White isn't the cuff for, you know, Kareem Hunt isn't the cuff for Chubb, White for any of the Pats RB. There's like these guys who they, they'll have a role regardless if the, the main between the tackles runner is injured or not, mm-hmm. their role's not going to change. So, I mean, you could argue it back and forth. I mean, there were some games where he got a decent workload, but his snap percentage is probably going to be mostly around 50% or less. Yeah. Likely. So my, my guy for stock down for the Jets, I mean, he's easy to pick on, um, but it's Corey Davis. I mean, a lot changed in that wide receiving core, or I shouldn't say wide receiving core, just, just the, the target competition. You got Garrett Wilson uh, being drafted in very high. You got um, Braxton Berrios getting re-signed. You know, they got three new tight ends now, one a third-round pick, and then two guys they spent some decent change on in, in Uzama and Conklin. I mean, it, it's not buzzy, but there's a lot of competition now suddenly for targets. And, I mean, if we're talking Michael Carter, I think he's out there to to catch balls more than run between the tackles. And Turtle, I don't know if you've heard, but um, – Denzel Mims, he is in the best shape of his life right now. Yeah, I, I don't I don't believe that till I see it. I, I mean, uh, we're it's talking like, it's like the same Mims. thing as like Paris Campbell. It's like a Paris Campbell type situation. They keep saying, "Oh, Paris Campbell's he, he's we're going to give him one more shot. He's going to be great." And then he disappoints every year. And I feel like that's the same with Rieger. I feel like that's the same with Denzel Mims. Um, Paris Campbell. Yeah, I'm, being, I'm being totally facetious there, but I'm just saying there, uh, top to bottom, there's a lot of competition. Um, I think Wilson's going to be looking towards some of his newer toys and uh, the, the likes of, of last year where, where he uh, targets were almost force fed to him. When you watch back some of the tape throwing at the double triple coverage, I, I think those kind of go away and things are, are spread out more evenly. Um, he's way down. He's not even a guy that I think you get much for. So, so I think it, it really hurt him to have those off season moves made where you can't even fetch wide receiver three or four value. Uh, he's he's going to be much lower than that, unfortunately. Yeah, he could be sneaky, though. He really could be sneaky. If Garrett Wilson doesn't come right in um, and understand the offense right away, uh, he's, not a, he's not a bad player to have on your team as a depth piece. All right. Maybe you'll go out and fetch him. No, nah, probably not. But, I mean, he's not bad to have as a depth piece. I, and, and let's <laughs> not forget, we're getting some comments, and I didn't even mention his name, Elijah Moore. Yeah, I know. I, know. So, I mean, I mean, we're talking serious target competition. Noah chiming in with the more top 12 this year. I don't know about the top 12, but seriously, um, we're talking tons of, of target competition. I don't think Corey Davis is, is going to be, you know, top three target on the team. He might be four behind Berrios, Moore, and uh, Wilson. We'll have to see. But, all right, let, let's keep it rolling. Let's stick with New York. Let's do stock up for the Buffalo Bills, Turtle. Who do you got? You know what? For the Buffalo Bills, for the stock up, I, I have Stephon Diggs. Okay. Talk and to me about that. You know why? It's because the Bills basically kept their offense intact during the offseason. I mean, they lost Cole Beasley, and they did draft James Cook and Khalil, Khalil Shakir. Yeah. But I don't think that's going to eat at all into Diggs' target share. Okay. Uh, they just signed Diggs to a four-year contract extension, which is going to keep him in town for a bunch of more years. So you can tell that he's the clear-cut guy. Mm-hmm. On that team, Josh Allen's developed a really good relationship with him, and they trust each other. And you know, I just think he's he's just such an explosive part of that offense, and he's going to remain a top ten option for the next couple of years, even at his advanced age of twenty eight. And I put that in quotations, finger quotations, twenty eight. Um, 
last year he finished as wide receiver seven with elite numbers. He went for 12, 1,225 yards on 103 receptions and 10 TDs. And I think that that's not even his ceiling. I think he can well surpass that this year. Because um, I just, I mean, they lost Beasley. And the really only other guy that they're going to be targeting heavily is Gabe Davis and Dawson Knox. So I, I think Diggs, I think Diggs can surpass those numbers from last year. Not a problem. Mm-hmm. So I got a, I got a couple different viewpoints of some of the guys you mentioned, not with Diggs. I think he's, he's solid, but to, to clarify for, um, for his stock up, is that dynasty redraft or both for you? That's honestly for both. I okay. think that, I think the age 28 is still, an absolute prime time for wide receivers. I don't think they're going to start losing those targets and their athleticism until that age 30 to 31 season. So he's got two more full years to dominate at the level that he is right now. Yeah. And I'll be completely honest. I, I agree. He's that would, whatever applies in, in redraft would apply to dynasty as well. Yeah. So I'll stick with the Bills wide receiver core. My stock up is Jamison Crowder. Um, this is more, I'd say, from a, a redraft standpoint. He's in that age 28 range, but he's not going to be, you know, sticking around as an elite wide receiver one. But if you are a contender in Dynasty, he's someone I would target um, weekly flex value. If you And even in uh, redraft, I'd, I'd keep him on the radar. He's going to be someone that you can sneak in with guaranteed production. Um, you know, Crowder's not had the best go of of quarterbacks in his career, and he's he's generally produced fairly well for an active slot receiver. Um, he had Kirk Cousins for three years, and and um, when he was on Washington, two of those years were like good Kirk Cousins seasons. Um, the other year was like you know crappy Kirk before he was anything really that good. Then he had the Alex Smith season, if we remember that, where Smith got on the field there. And it was kind of like, um, not so great. And then when he goes over to New York, he had Sam Darnold for two years, and, and then he had the Zach Wilson rookie season. So the the, the rookie growing pains, Darnold just kind of crapping his, his big boy pants. Um, Smith just, you know, way over his, uh, way over the career um, trajectory of, of when he was good with the Chiefs and all that. And then, you know, a, a decent few years of, of Cousins, but that was early on in his career as he was learning to be a professional. When I look at him being tied to Josh Allen, it's obviously the best QB he's going to be tied to. And then I went back when I looked at, at Cole Beasley, who's, as you said, not re-signed, the likely one-for-one one replacement here. Khalil Shakir is getting some buzz, but, I mean, we need to be realistic especially when we talk, as I say, and this guy might be more up in redraft or for contenders. Shakir's a fifth-round pick. Um, I think the last really good fifth-round pick that's been around is, is Darnell Mooney, but they don't come around that often. And despite him maybe being attractive, I think this wide receiver three job but behind Diggs and, and Davis is, is firmly Jamison Crowder's. Beasley's leaving behind three straight 100-target seasons, so I think he's walking into 100 targets easy. Um, obviously, Bills are, are higher um, throwers and, and than, than most teams. So I think that's why you know they, they spread the ball around quite a bit. But when you talk about Emmanuel Sanders leaving and you know Davis kind of eating into that probably a little bit, and you got Cole Beasley leaving his targets behind, I see 100 when you start tallying them up. 
um, for, for Crowder to take. And I, I think he came in and, and really put Isaiah McKenzie's stock down, who was kind of left behind. I think he's 26 and had a couple good games, and they thought he would be promoted to the slot. Crowder comes in and owns that position for me. So stock up, definitely in the short term, Jameson Crowder. Yeah, and, and Isaiah McKenzie was absolutely on my stock down list. Um, basically what I said is the Bills acquired Jameson Crowder in free agency, and he's he's a proven asset at that position. Um, they both they both can play the slot, um, and I just think that Crowder is going to be a much better slot receiver than Isaiah McKenzie. I think that he will be um, destined for the uh, special teams part of their uh, organization, to be honest with you. Yeah, just little gadgety plays, stuff like that. Yeah, some gadget plays. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. I like, right, the, so, I like the Crowder call. So that was your Bills stock down then? It was. It, it was. Okay. All right. Then if we're throwing it back to me, Bill's stock down for me was Dawson Knox. Um, I was the previous Dawson Knox owner, but you know, as we're throwing around these names, there's just – there's a lot of, again, similar to Corey Davis, the competition for targets is is big. I mean, it's Crowder, it's Gabriel Davis. you got to presume taking a step forward uh, in terms of the target share. They went and they got O.J. Howard. I I don't think Howard is, is much of anything, but it was interesting they went out and signed him when they did in free agency, um, which was you know earlier on. It was just odd for them to, to sign. I don't know what that signals. Uh, Dawson Knox stats last year really elevated by his nine touchdowns. He got another two in the playoffs. So, you know, he had a, a double digit touchdown season plus postseason. That's that's what we remember are all the touchdowns and, and not like the, the tough games where he was on the field a lot, but but bringing home, you know, 30 yards on, on three catches. Is he overvalued in in dynasty? Um, that's a question I'll, I'll toss to you, Turtle. Um I don't. I don't know. I, I don't. He's not an expensive purchase if you want to go out and get him. But on this very loaded team, what do you think? Is is he appropriately valued, or is he overvalued in, in dynasty just because he's a Buffalo Bill? No, I don't even think he is overvalued at all. I think it really depends on who has him on their roster um, in any given league. But for the most part, I think that he's more of like a in that. 10 to 12 range tight end area anyways um, to finish the season. I don't, I don't see him being a top seven tight end, even on the bills offense, just because like how we said earlier that Stefan Diggs is going to command such a huge target share. Mm -hmm. Um, They're not going to, they're not going to abandon their run, which they, they do like to use Singletary quite often. Um, And now they just got James, James Cook. So, We'll see how that guy gets used in that offense. But for the most part, I, I think Knox is a pretty easy guy to acquire right now. Um, I don't think you would have a hard time putting an offer out there and getting and getting, and getting getting him. Okay. Uh, are you personally interested, you know, if we if we swing at you and say, hey, this is your team, you got a roster Dawson Knox, or how are you feeling about it? Are you feeling icky or, or you, don't, you don't mind that talent sitting there? No, I mean, for me, I like – the elite tight end anyways like if you're not a top five tight end I'm not really going to try to roster you um and I don't think that he is that elite talent I think he's a good player and I think that he'll definitely get his touchdowns um but he's not going to be a league winning type of player that you want to have on your team no he's he's not and that he can explode 
I mean, if you time it right and you got a crystal ball, he can win you weeks. He can he can blow up. Um, he's got some move, some movement to him, uh, move tight end type style. But we'll we'll have to see how he continues to develop. If he can increase his target share, then it might be a little bit spicy. It might yeah, be I mean, it just kind of scared. It kind of scared me though that they acquired OJ Howard at their second tight end, who's still one of those guys that people every year say, oh, he's going to break out. He's still this young. He's only 27, and he's an elite prospect. Like, he hasn't done it yet, but if he was going to break out, it would be with the Bills because Josh Allen is such a great quarterback and can make people good. Yeah, I I mean, personally, I think he's absolute total garbage, like total (laughs) washed-up trash. I mean, you can say he can't do it with – with he he could do it with Allen. I mean, last year he had – the goat. Uh, yeah, but the, he, he had the he had the goat, but he 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 wasn't playing too often. Like he would be in there every once in a while on like real tight goal line situations. But for the most part, it was Gronk that was stretching the field. I mean, but two years with the goat and you do diddly. I just, I, I agree. I agree. I, I'm gonna write I, I you don't, off. I don't like OJ Howard. I'm not vouching for him. I'm saying that's what people say. They they they're saying, oh, he he can still break out. People people love some people love him, especially those Alabama fans. They freaking love that guy. I mean, it sounded to me like a serious vouch, and like you know, far be it from me to knock the guy. He's got family too. But Turtle, <laughs> if if you want to, you know, stake your flag with with an OJ Howard breakout season, do it. <laughs> now, I'm not calling an OJ Howard breakout season, but I'm saying that he can he can cut into some of Knox's numbers. I might look up see if that boy's that bull is available in our league. He ain't available. I'm rotating my my tight end four pretty heavy on the on the waiver wire so i'll go see well, well all i got for my tight end is 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 kyle pitts and then johnny smith i only got two so hey that's a really <laughs> good unintended segue let's roll into new england patriots um stock up i'm going john smith and and here's here's my reasoning with with john smith we talked about it a little bit in a previous episode the the first year introduction to the Patriots offense is it's difficult at best um, for for the players who pick up a playbook and, and you know instantly integrate themselves. At worst, it's 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 a lost season, and we saw that very apparently for John o. Smith last year. But what the Patriots did this offseason super interesting to me. Now John o. Smith totally different type of tight end than Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry, the the big kind of lumbering, um, will block, uh, but gets off his block and then catches something kind of closer to the line of scrimmage and, and tries to run, but he's not that quick. John Uth, the athletic, lining up, maybe moved in motion a lot in the backfield, can take a jet sweep, Theoretically, that's that's his skill set. We weren't seeing that last year, but that's what we've seen with the Titans, etc. First and goal from the one, he's taking handoffs with the Titans. That's the sort of stuff that that I'm I'm looking for. And what did the Patriots do this offseason? Is they went and their their fullback last year, Jacob Johnson, um, was released, and he went on the record saying. Uh, well, he followed first uh, Josh McDaniels down to Las Vegas to be their fullback. And one of his sound bits that came out was, the Patriots told me that the fullback 
is no longer a position on their roster moving forward, which is super interesting to me. Why? Because the, the fullback position has been one part of the Patriots for a long, long time. And when I look around the roster, the, the guy that pops out to me who's going to fill that role is John o. Smith. Um, so right off the bat, that gets him on the field a hell of a lot more. I think we're going to see a lot of John o. Smith in the backfield. Um, is he going to be a lead blocker like a fullback? No, but like I think he's going to be back there because now you have a big tight end for additional pass protection. You can see a lot of those turning into short dump-offs from Moore. If he's lining up in the backfield a lot more early in the season, it's going to open up the playbook further on for trick plays, um, for for rushing opportunities, etc., depending on how he rolls them out, how Belichick rolls them out earlier. For me, the Patriots were a very hard team because the the there's no standouts. The wide receivers just got more muddled. The running back core got more muddled with their draft picks. Um, they did some weird things on the offensive line. Some would say strange things on the offensive line. Like it was a very hard to pick a stock up person, but, but it's a deeper dive. I can really see the arrow pointing up, um, for John U. Smith. And, and I, I don't think it's hard to say that he's going to three X, whatever he did last season. He didn't granted, he didn't do much, but I, I think you're going to see a big year over year leap from John U. I'll take it's, that. It's, it's like, opportunity. Like it's oh. opportunity. Now, obviously I'm talking to you that you're the John U. Smith owner. You love it. Um, but you know, Putting that aside, what do you what do you think of, of my take? Is it is it too outlandish? Am I reading too much into the Jacob Johnson quote, or or do you like that? No, I don't think that that's the most outlandish part of it. But I I, I think that Hunter Henry is not going to go away, and I, I think that that Mac Jones and Hunter Henry have really established a really good rapport from last year. With that being said, I do agree with you that it is tough to learn the Patriots' offense in the first year. So hopefully. We, we saw what Janu can do on the Titans. He, he actually has that game-changing play playmaking ability. So I think that they will use him a bit more than they did last year. Um, so I really do like the call-out. And, I mean, his his um, his trade value just went up 10x in our league. So yeah, if you want Janu, I mean, I'm, come- not promising, I'm not promising <laughs> the world, right? This is stock up, I think. Yeah. Previous to how how he was, I was looking at Janu Smith, like I could – I could, if I got a twenty-five man roster, I likely I have a spot for him. He's he shouldn't be uh, there. To be other guys that I would cut before him. Let's say that. Yeah, um, like Tommy Tremble. And you're not you're not yeah leave leave the Quaker alone. But there there's there's no way that you're scoring fantasy points if you're not on the field, right? The first thing to do is get on the fields and then prove to the coaches that you deserve to be on the field. And I think with the fullback leaving it opened up a huge opportunity for him to get on the field first. And now it's up to him to show the athleticism, show the game-breaking ability, get some plays designed for him. Uh, but you can't do that if, if you're being mothballed because you don't know what the hell you're doing. Um, so so year two, I think, is going to be a much, much better year for John o. Smith. And obviously, I'm a Pats fan, so that's inherently what I want to see. Just see that Belichick genius kind of back because it seems like it's been gone for a little while talk talk to me about your Patriots riser if if you got one in this kind of hard to decipher team yeah I didn't have one and I sent you um my write-ups and you said you need to add one 
And I, I, my, my honest, my honest answer was, I don't think that they have any risers, but the more I looked at it, the more I realized that the person that did rise the most, and it pains me to say, since you own him in the league is Ramadre Stevenson. Yes. And the reason, the reason being, the reason being is because of some of the stats he had last year. Well, first off, Damian Harris is definitely on his last year of his contract. There's no chance in hell that they were signing that man. Zero percent chance he's coming so, back. Yeah. So I mean, that just, especially said, if I, I take it back, if he goes to the market yep. and doesn't get anything, like, I mean, gets nothing, uh, there's a chance he comes back on a one year deal. Him getting a new contract and being the guy. Belichick's not doing that. I agree. Yeah, slim to none. Slim to none. Did they do that with with Sony Michelle at one t- one point of his career? Negative. They never did that. They never they never brought Sony back back in on a one year deal. Yeah, um, I'd have to look. I'd have to. Look. I, I thought they did, but I could be completely wrong. But all right. Anyways, keep going. So Ramadre, Ramadre averaged four point five yards per carry, which was the exact same ad- average as Damian Harris. He also averaged fourth most yards after contact in the NFL at 2.7. Lastly, he was one of the best running backs in the league with missed tackle rates. And I think that he proved to Belichick that he can handle a good chunk of that offense. Um, And I think that they'll just continue to feed him, especially on the short goal goal line carries and then the short like third and inches type runs. I think he will be putting up solid RB2 numbers all year. I really do. Gotcha. Hey, actually, so took a look. Took a look at the, the Sony Michelle contract. He actually, he didn't even finish his rookie contract. He was traded to the Rams before it finished out. So he was drafted in 2018, like the 18, 19, 20 season with the Pats. Um, obviously, as you, as you know, traded for the 21 season to the Rams. And now, 22 season, his age 27 season overall, he's with Miami. So, yeah, I mean, do we even see something similar? Do we see Damian Harris getting moved at some point, even maybe prior to the trade deadline if Pats are out of it and there's an RB needy team? Uh, if not, I can definitely see them just parting ways. It doesn't seem like a Belichick move. And then when you think about it, the Pierre Strong move, which is the higher drafted running back of the two they took, Profiles more, and beat writers are saying is going to be a James White replacement. As you know, James White ages out of the league over the next year or two, so they got a succession plan there. You got a succession plan with Damian Harris, and you got depth with with Kevin Harris, JJ Taylor, etc. So, to me, it looks very crowded. But I think, like you said, a year on, um, the role definition is just uh, being built inherently into the team with um, with Harris leaving, Stevenson claiming the the majority of the backfield and then white likely retiring and, and Pierre strong, you know, just becoming that pass catching back. Yeah. You're in good shape with him on your team with Ramondre on your team. I think he'll have a really good year. Yeah. And I like, I, I like that call out obviously not, not just cause I got him, but um, it was one that, you know, I was looking at this team deep and, and I didn't think about it like you did kind of in over the next season in dynasty, like stock up dynasty. Yeah, yeah, and it's not like you can say that the stock's up for the Patriots wide receivers at all. And that's... No, so let's let's keep that thought, right? So that's my stock down, um, obviously, receiving core. This one, you know, I guess it's probably more of a dynasty one because he's probably not being rostered in many redrafts. It's Nelson Aguilar. 
Um, mm. You know, there's not much to say here. I don't want to spend more than 30 seconds talking about Nelson Aguilar because who's really placing that guy in their lineup in redraft or in dynasty, but he's, he's going to be on the benches of dynasty teams. He's certainly not going to be on the, the wire. And that's probably just because of his contract. When I look at Nelson Aguilar though, he's supposedly the deep threat for the Patriots. And when I look at what the Patriots just just did in the draft, second round, Tyquan Thornton, they just replaced Nelson Aguilar, you know, with the, with the fastest guy at the combine. And, and quite frankly, he's expensive. He's ineffective. I don't see him lasting on this team. As soon as he's cuttable, he's getting cut. So huge stock down. The one thing he was brought on the team to do, stretch the defense. They just took a speed demon in the draft, second round, um, the days are numbered for, for Nelson Aguilar, a former first-round pick. It's kind of sad to see. He never really turned into anything. But, yeah, it's just over for him. It's the end of the line. I, I think I can say that very confidently. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say the only – it's tough because they got Devontae Parker. They have Jacoby Myers, who I guess is technically their wide receiver one. But, you know, it's just tough. It's not like they bolstered their their, uh, their receiving core at all. So it's kind of like they're just rolling with the same same guys. And I think that's going to actually hurt Mac Jones. I think that that's going to kind of leave him in the same position as last year where he has, like, a good year, but he doesn't move to the next level because he doesn't have that elite playmaker that, you know, helps him move to that next level. You're, not, you're saying Ty Montgomery is not an elite playmaker? No, sir. <laughs> Uh, shit. Okay. So what is that? Is that just an add-on to my statement, or is, or is Mac Jones your stock down? I mean, Mac Jones is my stock down, along Jeez. with the whole Patriots wide receiving core. I don't like that. I really, you know. I, know I mean, I don't like, like it, that. As a, I don't like that as a Patriots fan. No, but it I'll is the that. truth. It is the truth. And it's not like it, – it's not like <sighs> – it's hard to succeed when you're not really bringing in like any sort of elite playmaker. Like I, that, I don't care. I don't care what 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 quarterback you are. You need to have that one go to guy where you feel super confident with him. Because like look at Jacoby Myers last year. He I would I would argue is by far their most athletic and gifted wide receiver. But the guy's allergic to the end zone. So it's like. If they went out and got that one player where it's just like, oh, you know that Mac Jones is going to target this guy mm-hmm. so much, it, mm-hmm. it would be it, it just would allow him to you know mold into the QB one that we all think that he can be. But I think without that, he's he's just going to kind of stay in that that mid range QB two area. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's certainly discouraging as a Patriots fan that their big move was let's trade a, a late pick for Devonte Parker. And then um, in the draft, you know, if you want to talk about the draft and where they took um, Tyquan Thornton, they took him. He was the 13th skilled position player off the board at 218. And the players that they passed up on, and we'll see if this is, is regrettable long-term, it, George Pickens went at the 222 picks later. Alec Pierce went at 221, three picks later. Sky Moore went at 222, four picks later. So after Tyquan Thornton, run on wide receivers, Pickens, Pierce, Sky Moore, 
And then even Trey McBride, it's like, you know, I am not going to throw in Vellis Jones to compete with Taekwon, but it's like definitely Pickens, Pierce, and Moore came into the draft with much higher, I guess, dynasty analytics community expectations than, than Taekwon Thornton. And it's like, that's the move that Belichick made is to go get the burner. That's why I just, I went with Aguilar who he's replacing. But like you said, as a Pats fan, if you, if he rolled in George Pickens, how are you feeling about Mac Jones? If, if it's going to be Mac and Pickens for like the next five years. Well, I think that, and I think that's the difference is that the Pittsburgh Steelers don't miss on wide receivers and the new England Patriots are always missing on the right wide receiver to pick in the draft. So it's like, I would have felt a lot better if they did if they did get Pickens, but would Pickens have even panned out if he went to the Patriots? <laughs> that's how I yeah, that's I know. How we'll I was we'll see. I got very high hopes for Pickens as the Pickens owner. I think at the end of the you know a decades a long time, but half decade, we might look back and say, "Wow, he's the most talented player of the wide receiver bunch from the 2022 class," just because, like you said, the track record with with Pitt. And this was the GM who who made that pick in his last uh, season as as the the GM of the Steelers um, finished it out by selecting Pickens in the second and Pickett in the first. So he he got that stack together. Yeah, he brought right, the, he brought the names together. Let, let's move to the last team here uh, in the AFC: stock up, stock down. Um, for me, stock up. And I don't know who you're going to have, Turtle. We kept these blind heading in. Mine was uh, Tua. Yeah, that was mine too. (laughs) Okay. So why don't you go first? Why don't you go first? You're going to probably hit a lot of the same points, but, um, you know, hit those. Yeah, I mean, Tua finally has a star-studded cast around him, and he's been given every opportunity to succeed in 2022 and beyond. I would say with the uh, addition to Tyreek Hill, Chase Edmonds, and Sony, he will be able to at least trust his skill position. Uh, players, you know, I, I think that Tua gets a really bad rap in the community. Everybody says that he's got this terrible noodle arm, but the guy was still injured playing last year. His hip was not fully healthy. We've been seeing tons of videos of Tua, good and bad, whether you want to whether you want to call it good or bad. Um, and I just think that Tua is an athletically gifted player and he's going to make the, the guys around him better mm. it's, it's it's pretty simple I mean he he's got he's another guy that's just got room for improvement he was QB 26 last year and I think he takes a big jump yeah yeah I, I think uh, the same reason that you'll hear for Tua being my player up is going to be basically the same reasons why my player down is player down but um, Tua's got weapons galore right now I mean, they have weapons. They got, you know, Waddle second year, trade for Hill, um, franchise tag, uh, the tight end, and sign Cedric Wilson. You got three new running backs. It's like he – each running back is kind of like a different back. They're not duplicative. You got a grinder. You got a pass catcher. You got, you know, a a speed demon, like special teams type guy. I mean, there's – you got on top of that a creative coach who's got faith in him. At least 
outwardly uh, faith in him. There's no like mixed words. Like there's a lot of coaches with, you know, you don't even know why they're saying half the stuff they are when a microphone's in front of them. You know, McDaniel is fully behind Tua and they committed some to the line. I mean, I think they went out and got the best O lineman um, available. They got Teron Armstead to, to be the, the left tackle, which I guess granted for a righty, is not the blind side. That would be the right tackle. But you got a, a huge anchor now on your line with Teron Armstead, who's, I think, 30, but, you know, still got a lot of good years ahead of him. I mean, Tua just, to me, it's almost like this situation is approaching, like, too big to fail territory. It's like, if he can't win with these weapons, like, well, we know the government bailout's not coming. Like, he is going to be hitting the road and like, I think we're approaching like he's not going to be hitting the road, which means he has to succeed. It's like you can't really say like Waddle and Hill are going to suck. Like it, it seems weird like that that would that would happen. The more likely outcome is is going to be they're going to be supported by the quarterback, and and Tua happens to be that lucky guy who's got these weapons, and. Um, I mean, it's going to be on him, Turtle, and that's going to have a lot of rippling effects to you. You're a Tua owner. How are you feeling about him? He's not your QB1, but but say he was. If to, For people out there in a Superflex League, Tua as a QB1, are you feeling good about that based on what we're saying and stock up? Or are you saying, no, he's still more, even with the stock up situation, he's more of a QB2? Like, wh- Where are you putting him? I just think that he has more upside than some of these other teams in this division. Like he's got more upside than Mac Jones. He's mm-hmm. maybe got more upside than than um, Zach Wilson. So I feel okay with him as like a low end QB one. I would I I would I wouldn't be like so worried. Like if my other quarterback was say someone like hmm. I would say, I mean, somebody, somebody in this division. Honestly, if if my other quarterback was Zach Wilson, I might be a little scared. Yep. But if I had somebody that was in that same range, like a veteran, like Kirk Cousins, or exactly what I was thinking. You know, like a guy like Kirk Cousins and Tua, like you, you can get by with that. It's not sexy at all, but it's something that you know you're going to put up at least decent numbers every week. You yeah. shouldn't be running scared with, with that with that combo. Yeah, well, I I agree with that. So, who do you got for stock down? It's hard because I think that I have to go with Chase Edmonds just because they brought in Sony Michelle. Like you just said, that they played very different roles. But I just feel like they brought in Edmonds and then they go ahead and sign um, Sony. And Sony ended the year last year on a tear. And he was getting, like, 21 – he was getting, like, anywhere between, like, 17 to, like, 24 carries a game for, like, the last, like, six games. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he's the type of back that can just come in come in and just absolutely just take jobs because he's done it in the past. Yeah. I mean, he's young enough, too. And he's back home. He's a Broward County boy. So, like, he's back home. Yeah. Patriots, I mean, they ran him. They didn't run him into the ground. Certainly didn't get run into the ground in, in um, L.A. So there's tread on the tires. Who's who's the Chase Edmonds owner in our league? Um, I think it's Jesse. Yeah, stock down for Jess. Poor guy. All right, stock down for me. 
Um, like I said, I teased it a little bit earlier, but it's going to be Mike Gusecki. And for me, he got the franchise tag. He's getting the guaranteed money, but he's still um, way, way down in terms of stock for me just because, like we talked about, there's a lot of new talented mouths to feed. Um, you got Hill, like we said. We got Wilson. You got Edmonds now catching passes, even though he, as you said, might be down from a RB high-end uh, RB2 potential, um, has certainly – taken a hit, but he's still there to catch passes. Uh, they spent a fourth-round pick on, I'm going to butcher this, Eric Uzukama, um, fourth-round pick. So we'll see how that fleshes out. But it's just more and more bodies here in the pass-catching core, out of the backfields from the wide receiver position, from the tight end position. I just, you know, this is a much harder competition than what Gasicki had last year. He was dealing with Matt Collins and Devontae Parker. Let's be serious. Now we're talking some real names. And and Waddle's going to take a step forward, you assume, from a great rookie season. I mean, this 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 is not lining up well for Gasicki to 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 do well in, in this in this team. I just don't see it. When you get down around the red zone, he's never been that guy who just you know, he, he's catching um, seven red zone touchdowns. He's just, he's not that guy. It's just, it's weird, but um, that he's, that he's, he's not that guy because of his size, but I can see them doing the same things when they get down there. You got Smythe, you got them running the ball and, you know, you got a guy like Waddle, you got Waddle and, and Hill who are quick t- twitch, create separation despite the field getting smaller and find themselves open. It, to me, it's just um, – I went with that over Miles Gaskin. I thought Miles Gaskin was too easy to pick on. He might not even make the team. But but of the guys who are, are relevant and, and who you might have some hopes in from a dynasty perspective, uh, Gasicki was the one who I think took the biggest hit with all these offseason moves. Yeah, I agree with that. And, yeah, Gaskin, he's toasted, man. I don't know if he's going to play ever again. <laughs> He's roasted and toasted. Roasted. All right, so we did the AFC East. Stock up, stock down. How do you feel, Turtle? I, I feel pretty good, man. I think we uh, gave a pretty good analysis on some of these guys. And you know what? I think that that division has been getting drastically improved in the past couple of years. So I'm excited to see what these guys can do. And more importantly, how are the Golden Pipes feeling? Oh, they're good. Always. All right, we got we got a new segment. It's 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 going to be quick. We're going to get you out of here soon, but new segment we're excited for. Um, Meatloaf said it best: two out of three ain't bad. It's it's the dynasty drama version of of keep trade cut. Turtle, why don't you hit us with that live intro, and then I'll explain the game that we're playing. All right, I want you. I need you. I need you. But there ain't no way I'm ever gonna love you. Now don't be sad. Don't be sad, cuz two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, we're the, we're the only crazy mofos in the industry doing something like that yo all right i'm cool with that dude we, I'm we don't have the rights that. we don't have the rights to the song man we gotta we gotta go live you gotta go acapella yeah um, you gotta get creative bro all right so here we go two out of three ain't bad want you need you ain't no way i'm ever gonna love you we're talking trade targets we're gonna talk three people 
want you is you'll pay fair value for this guy. Okay. Need you. You're willing to overpay for this guy. You, you need him on your team and ain't no way I'm ever going to love you is the only way you'll ever acquire that guy is if you can underpay on his trade value. Okay. So want you need you ain't no way I'm ever going to love you. Fair value overpay underpay from a trade perspective. And I want to talk through AJ Brown, Amari Cooper, and DJ Moore. Turtle, why don't you take us through your want you, need you, and ain't no way. Uh, this is, gonna love you. Yo, this is tough, dude. It's I wanted it to be tough. tough. One. Because, all right, man, it's so tough because I want, I want Amari. Okay, so you'll pay fair tied, value for Amari. I want Amari being tied to Watson. I don't need to overpay for him, but I would take him on my team as like an as a WR three mm-hmm. <laughs> or two if I'm being more realistic. But I would be okay with him. All right, so I keep it I going. Want, keep it. I, yeah, I, I think I need, dude. It's so hard because I need hypothetically the namesake of A.J. Brown. (laughs) But it doesn't mean that I need him so bad because him being tied to Philadelphia now scares the living crap out of me. Well, the thing is, guys, with that name and that dynasty community value is you you have to be willing basically to overpay for him. So if you're feeling like you need him, you're already kind of like accepting that I'm going to have to pay more than probably he's worth to get him. And I hope over the next years, he truly erupts. So, Oh yeah, dude, there's no way I'm getting him for the low. No chance. And the guy, drum roll that I don't ever want. Don't ever need. I'm never going to love you. DJ Moore. And I'm sorry about that. BD. It's just, he's got no QB and I don't see the Panthers ever getting one. Yeah. Okay. All right. Why you need you? Ain't no way I'm ever going to love you. All right. My want, I'm willing to pay fair value for AJ Brown. To me, he is an appealing talent, but he's got a rough situation. I mean, we got Devontae Smith. We got a run-based offense, but I'm still interested. I'm still intrigued by that. He's got injury problems too, right? I'm still intrigued by the, the ceiling. Um, for me, uh, the way my roster is currently constructed, but even if I'm, I'm constructing a roster is I don't know that I want my wide receiver one, the person that I've probably scraped the cupboard, almost bare overpaying for, um, someone with those type of red flags, you know, the, the QB situation, the run based offense, the, the high end wide receiver, um, that just got drafted the year before Devontae Smith is going to continue to be there. He's an appealing talent. It's a rough situation. I'll pay fair value. I don't think I can get him for fair value, but you know, I want him. You know, just like anyone, I want him. Need you? I need this guy, Amari Cooper. Wow! I, yeah, I, I am did willing not see to do that. It. Huh? I didn't see that one coming, dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, let me talk to you about how barren their depth chart is. All right. Here's what we got. We got Donovan Peoples Jones, Anthony Schwartz, Javon Wims. Jakeem Grant. You got David Bell, who I think could be a talent, but he's a rookie. Let's temper our expectations on these rookies, please. If there's anything we can do is 
to tell you, there's going to be one or two rookies who are going to be good. The rest need development. I'm looking at Amari Cooper this year, tied to Deshaun Watson, and just no competition there. I mean, I don't believe in Njoku. I don't believe in Harrison Bryant. Like, I'll overpay to get this boy. Because guess what? I don't think his cost is all that high. Um, I don't think it's really going to be that expensive. And I'm willing to pay more than not that expensive. So I need you on my team, Amari Cooper. And ain't no way I'm ever going to love you. It's the same as you. It's DJ Moore. Um, The only way I'm ever getting him is if I can underpay. I think the Carolina Panthers are a sham franchise. I think DJ Moore has shown that he is not allergic to the end zone, but but he's got a TD cap, and that might just be because the Panthers are a sham franchise and can't score. Like you said, they got QB problems, and it doesn't look like they're going to be an end in sight. You got Matt Corral there, and he's not going to be ready to play anytime soon. Even if he does get on the field, it could be an unmitigated disaster with the poor offensive line play and just... Who knows what the, the backfield is going to look like by the time he gets on the field um, with injury concerns in the backfield. And then overall, I think he just got poor coaching. Uh, I think Matt Rule is, is over his head. Uh, I think he's been given some some rope by by the ownership team. And I think it's enough rope that he's, he's completely hung himself and he's going to be done and there's going to be some turnover there. And DJ Moore, I don't know, he wanted the big bucks or something. He went out and he um, he took the payday, and you can't blame him for that. But now he's he's tied to this, and, and that's just – it's not attractive for me whatsoever. So DJ Moore, I'm sorry, but there ain't no way I'm ever going to love you. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have fun with it, man. You got to have fun in the process. All right, so so – fun new segment we'll drop it in here and there as uh, time to time we'll close out the show open the show mid show who knows but two out of three ain't bad turtle good job on that one. Oh yeah you too matt i appreciate that all right anything you want to you want to um you know tell folks before we sign off for the day i'm very consistent with my midday buster text and i'm going to continue to do that everybody all right midday busters done and uh, you're going to be – we're going to be pumping things out on social, right? We're going we're gonna to start, you know, doing some stats and, and, and talking about players. And um, who knows, maybe we get out on the socials turtle and, uh, you know, pump some of these stock up, stock, stock downs too. Um, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's a great idea. I mean, we're really, we're really starting to hit the ground running with um, our social media presence, especially on Twitter. And I think that's probably the best platform for us right now until we launch our video segment of this whole shebang. Um, yeah. And some people just want to, um, some people want to digest uh, micro news articles. So if you don't get uh, an hour plus to listen to us drone on and you just want to have some interesting little information in your back pocket, we need to get that to that audience as well. So we're going to try to be more effective in that department. We know we can be. So yep. onward and upward, Turtle. Are good. All right. Well, tell the, tell the parentals I said, what up? Enjoy your dinner. And guys out there, we'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys.